Welcome to My Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by Wayne Turner, ex-Luton, Lincoln, Coventry, Brentford, Barnet player, um, grew up Luton boy, um, born and bred, and interestingly, also went on and spent a little bit of time coaching and managing um, in the local area with Stevenage and coaching at Luton. How are you, Wayne? I'm good as gold, boys. Nice to see you both. Excellent, excellent. Marvin, how are you feeling this morning? I'm good, Andrew. I'm <clears throat> looking um, forward to this episode because um, I just missed out on Wayne when I joined the club. Wayne was just, I just left and gone to um, Coventry, was it? I think Coventry in 85. Yeah, Coventry. Yeah. Coventry. And so, um, but managed to work with him when he came back uh, as he was a coach. And so, yeah, that's some I good excellent. times. So I'm sure there's some, some very funny stories coming out from coaches as well. So what we're going to do is, those people who haven't listened to the podcast before, um, we uh, we get Wayne to go through his best 11 players he's ever set foot on a pitch with um, in any capacity. Um, obviously, most of them tend to be professional, but also um, some do include maybe some friendlies in there as well. Uh, but most of them are going to be there. What we start off with is formation and then let Wayne take it from there because you're here to listen to him, not myself or Marv. So, Wayne. Formation. Formation. What are you going for? Right. Well, this is uh, an interesting one. Um, without telling you where it was, I think it'll stand out a mile. I, I love it today. Um, I love a four, a three and a half and a two and a half. So <laughs> it's in between a four, four, two and a four, three, three. Um, there's, there is method in my madness. And I'll explain as we go along. It's, it's a lazy left, if you like. Uh, that's what I'll call it. But I do love a four, three and a half, two and a half, which gives us a little bit of balance of the way I always like to play. It's something I learned uh, in my playing days that I took into my coaching. Um, you could say sometimes we ended up with a four, three and a half, no half, bit of two, bit of anything. But uh, if it didn't work, it looked dreadful. But it's a great shape to have and we'll explain it as we go through. Sounds interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit like confused with the, the word lazy. I would never associate that with you, Wayne. Lazy. The lazy left. No, he, okay. had to be, he had to be your best player, Marv, that could win the game when the ball landed at his tippy toes. If it didn't, it'd be sitting with me. That's in the coaching. It's as playing, I'll be booting him up. The, there is one great story, um, a great story. While, while we're on it quickly, I was playing for oh. Barnet towards the enemy career, middle of midfield. Uh, injuries galore, everything's falling apart. So I wanted to sort of direct the traffic as best I could from the middle of the pitch. And there was a lad called um, Murphy, Frank Murphy, great player, great footballer. And uh, we were flying down the right wing with Eddie Steen, by the way. Eddie was a good player, playing, playing wide right down at Barnet. And he's just about to put a cross in. And I watch Frank Murphy, you're talking about laziness. He's wide left, but he's playing down the middle. He's sort of inside left channel, going to attack the box. He sees the cross going near post. He's got no chance of getting it. So what he does, he darts a little bit quicker towards the middle of the goal because he knows the goalie's going to catch it and throw it to the opposite right back. <laughs> and he doesn't want to track the right back. So he don't see that I've seen what he's done. As the cross is coming in, he's that clever and that lazy, he'd rather run 10 yards to no man's land where he can't get anything than be caught in between the two when the goalie throws the ball over his head to the right back. Boy, oh boy, did he get some stick. That was lazy. Can you imagine that? He was so clever, he made a run to be lazy. It was brilliant. 
So, uh, yeah. So, by the way, Murph's not in my team. <laughs> but it's great, already, already, great. Already, I'll say already Christmas card list after that comment. <laughs> no, no, no. To be fair, Murph knew what he did. We had banter. But uh, at the time when you're struggling, and I'm the one that's got to get out there because I've read it. Do you know what I mean? I'm getting a taxi out to the wide left. It's not a good thing to be doing. But uh, yeah, no, he's uh, a good lad, Murph, but he knew how to uh, miss a bit of our craft. But that was Lovely. a classic, yeah. <laughs> so, move straight away. Goalkeepers. Um, so, right. Well, it, and we uh, allow honourable mentions as well before you get on to the First one for um, Team Spirit banter would be my good friend Gary Phillips, which he did the most with his body and his physique. He'd do well to get on this podcast. He's as wide as my, my, my land, my room in here. So he's, he's, he's going by the minute, guys. And he was a fantastic keeper for what he was blessed with. Great positioning, great technique. And we had him at Brentford and Barnet. And uh, for entertainment value, he would be in my team from day one. You know what I mean? We, we'd have a, a laugh going into training every day. We got the stage, you won't know, Mark, but when phones first come out in the cars, we used to get a, a landline and put it in his car and pull up at the lights in London because we were so bored getting into training. Just wind down a window and tell the people next door it was for them. It's a call for them. And they'd stick around and we'd just give them a phone. And uh, Gaz would love it. And he'd, he'd pull up anywhere he could and give someone a phone and say, excuse me, there's a call for you. And just pass it over to the, uh, to the person on the lights. But for fun after games... He knew how to celebrate a win. We all did at Brentford and uh, he'd be there for, for celebrationary reasons. But on, on football ability, I've been lucky. You mentioned Les Seeley. Uh, Les, again, was uh, fantastic at shifting the blame. He was one of the best goalkeepers. Yours, mine away. What are you doing, Wayne? And uh, it was always me and him at the back post having a row if I was playing left back, which was a lot of time I was. And... Uh, he was a class act, but if anything went wrong, it was never his fault. So uh, Les, God bless his soul, was a great uh, deflector of uh, any... any. Well, you have to be as a goalie, don't you, Marv? Because yeah, if it true. goes in, you're the last line of defence and uh, it can't be your fault because you've got to play or play the next half hour or the next hour, you know, with a mistake in your back pocket. So he had a out great... Out of the fans about... Three oh. metres behind you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without doubt, yeah, the fans breathing down your neck. So Les had a great knack of uh, shifting any blame, you know, especially that cross that come in between you, Marv, you know, at centre-back, and you're just <laughs> waiting for him to come, and he ain't coming anywhere. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, great laugh as well. Uh, could sell you anything, Marv, couldn't he? Yeah. Could sell sand, sand to the Arabs. He was that good at flogging things, and he turned up with, the, this hat, that hat, suitcase, you name it. Oh, yeah, suitcase. So another great <laughs> character. Uh, and before I give you the clue to me, goalie that I picked, I played with another great goalkeeper, Steve Grizovich at uh, Coventry. Yeah, yeah. Who yes. wasn't? Who was a uh, complete opposite to Les? He was a real man mountain, complete opposite to Gary Tall, six foot four, but struggled with his feet. Great with his hands, but because uh, he was so tall and so high. Uh, he did struggle sometimes with the back pass and the, and the kicking side of it, but handling, magnificent. You know, cross-taking, shot-stopping, a reach, brave. and did brilliant and took them all the way to the FA Cup. So, uh, yeah. yes, that was a, um, a great goalkeeper to play amongst. And I don't know if you know, I'll drop this one in as quick as we can before we move on to my team, because there will be maybe uh, in that uh, career of Coventry, 
Brentford, Barnet, as well don't, as Luton. Don't, don't Luton. take away too many of our guesses, then. <laughs> no, 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 no. no I'm, giving you, I'm giving you the teams, not the players. I'm giving you the team. I've got to give them a clue. They won't know where I've been. I've got to repeat what Dave said. So Andy said. So, uh, yeah, we had... Um, we, uh, do you know I left? I was captain of Coventry and left six months before they won the FA Cup. I walked out of Coventry in 1987, six months before they picked the FA Cup up beating Tottenham. And the only person in that team at the start of that season that left was me. All the others went to Wembley. So uh, get, get your fans and get the guys to just shed a tear for me in the 87 season. Okay, that uh, they got the medal and I got the goodbye. See you later, Wayne. What? But so, uh, you've 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 raised it now. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you leave? Because it was one of them situations where you look back in life and you look at maybe some of these players are in the team and you think, what a good side that was. You know, studied with players right through from Sil Regis to Brian Kilcline to you know players of that ilk that you're playing in between Lloyd McGrath, lads that were such good footballers for that club that you fell out with a manager at the time, which was, uh, it was a joint management ship, if you remember, yeah, John Sir yeah, and George um, Curtis did it together. Yeah. yeah, and memory serves me, we was away in um, Spain at the end of the season, and uh, John Sillick called me over by the swimming pool. He was looking gorgeous, he was, John Sunbathing, and uh, he said to me, Wayne, he said, uh, just to let you know, if I'm the manager, you're the captain. If George is the manager, you leave it. I went, oh, great. So that was... How the team talk went by the pool and uh, they did it together. But by all accounts, me leaving meant that George had the final say, I think, and that was it. And literally two, three days after we got back in pre-season, that was me lot. Went off to Brentford and they went on to the FA Cup, which was amazing because they beat the Tottenham team, didn't they? That plea he had. Yeah. Uh, where Clive Allen got the 49 goals and they beat them in the final. So it just shows ben, you when I do pick a couple of players. Sorry? And Bennett ripped Mitchell to shreds on the wing. <laughs> well, you said that, Marvin, didn't you? To be fair, so, uh, I'll leave that with you. Uh, I, uh, I remember the game. I was crying watching it. I remember the game. So uh, I, was, I was on the roof down in South End above my mate's pub watching it. Uh, yeah, it was devastating. But uh, they deserved it. They were brilliant. And you're right. On the day, they, they, they did brilliant, didn't they? Coventry, yeah. but yeah, I'm just, giving, I'm just, giving, I'm just, I'm just giving Mitchell some playful stick because Mitchell's not been on there yet. Can you believe it? He's the, he just keeps like darting and dodging the bullet, and saying, I don't know no, why. So I'm just no. giving him some playful stick. Well, we Go had on. a we had a little get together last week with Pleaty. I've organised it, and twelve of us went up to uh, Birmingham uh, oh. for a little night out. Well, a meal, not a night out. A meal with David, and there was twelve of us. Mitchell turned up, but boy, oh boy, was he hard work. To get him there. When he got there, he was A1. But to get him there, oh, my God. He is, he is, he ain't, he ain't, he is. And uh, he finally turned out. I was shocked when he turned up. It was great. He had a great night. Great day, great night. But so I got up for breakfast. He'd already gone home. So, do you know what I mean? It was, but it was lovely. We had a good turnout. There was uh, some good lads there. All, all from David wanted the 81-82 season that uh, got the promotion and uh, yeah and before we go on about the team last little fact you're going to love this one as well guys um, in that season 81-82 I was 20 yeah 20 years old and went on loan with um, Colin Murphy was the manager yeah at Lincoln I remember, I remember Colin Mad Murph Mad yeah. Murph yeah yeah Pleat his best mate at the time and still yeah. is very close to him uh, though he's not well so hopefully he's, he's, he's okay but uh, yeah went there 
and uh, had a great run in their team. And we were third from bottom, fourth from bottom, and we finished second at top as I was coming home in March after my loan because we had an extra month because in that winter, there was so much snow in, in December they, that they'd give me another month on my loan. Anyway, come back and I played the last seven games of the promotion team, ended up with 11 appearances, right, for Luton when I got back. The night that Lincoln are playing Fulham at Craven Cottage to go up, and we was all insured to earn £3,500 off Murphy done an insurance across Lincoln's football club. Luton's getting awarded the trophy down the town hall and being shown off to the crowd. I haven't got a medal. I'm not part of it. And I'm running outside listening to the radio to see how Lincoln are getting against Fulham, knowing that I'm going to get a medal and I'm going to get three and a half grand. They drew one all. They drew one all with a header against them. We had to win. Fulham had to draw. Fulham went up. And Lincoln never. And all the lads are going mad in the town hall and I'm just crying again. I'll get the post again, and I? So... You, hopefully everyone's feeling sorry for me in this podcast because, uh, you know, I mean, I've had a rough, rough ride. But uh, yeah, true it was, the same night. Wow. So there we go, right. Goalkeepers. <laughs> we, we go off on a tangent. Uh, yes, uh, infamously um, was one of the three keepers, you know this one, Marv, played at Liverpool in the same game. Oh, so in the season that, uh, and I ended up playing three different positions the same day to compensate for all the silly people that kept going in goal. So, um, yes, he was uh, a great, great keeper. Out of all the ones I played, we've had the complete game uh, at that time. And even now today, talking about what we said about feet, being able to half volley a ball, you know, incredible distances, incredible accuracy, uh, could do that as well. So, yeah, he's goalkeeper. Is he Scottish? No. Oh, yeah, plastic Scottish. Don't give too much away, Marv. Do you know what I mean? Oh, are you going to guess it? Or, or you got to guess well, it? I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get, we're trying, I'm trying, but I don't know if, I'm not sure if I know who it is. I'm going to try and guess it. Yeah, I'm going to try well, and guess it. But yeah, 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 he's Scottish. Yeah. yeah, he's Scottish. Yes, yes, he's Scottish. Yeah, you'll get this and one. You know, get Marvin? Oh, yeah, I've got it already. It's, it's, yeah, go on, Marv. Jake Finley. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was a master. He had a combination of all them lads there. Good laugh. Could take a cross, great delivery, could blame someone else when he wanted to. So he was good at that and all. Uh, but he was an outstanding all-round goalkeeper for that era. Um, he was that good uh, for everything you'd want. And he was the main reason. Oh, and don't forget Alan Judge. Judge, a good yeah. mate of mine that uh, would push Jake as well, to be fair. There was a time where Judge was Jake's number two for, three, for a few years. And uh, he pushed him all the way because he was such a great pro, Judgey. But uh, if you're looking at out-and-out class, then Jake would be your goalkeeper. Okay, boys, right back? Right back. Right back, yes. You're flying flying for it. I was about to ask you a question about Jake then. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, because I thought I was talking too much. No, no, we want you to talk. We want you to talk. Oh, good. Because Jake's obviously been picked before with some other players. And and I had already, obviously, when I joined, Jake had already left. But... I didn't realise, I mean, I think Ricky picked him and Rob picked him and, and he was very good Mike, with his feet. I think Mike Sasby picked him as well. Yeah, yeah. technically, as with his feet. Unbelievable, yes. apparently. Yeah, as what we just said there, nowadays you want that, but he had an extra set on his right foot that he could arrow it into people, half volley, off the ground. He had a great right foot. And he could, to be fair, he could do his left foot, but obviously when you know you've got, you've got that quality on the right side, you roll it back two more. You know, and then, then there was a change over, wasn't there? The back, 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 back pass rule and all that. So he was 
that quality, you mentioned Dibs, who I coached, mm. played with him a little bit, Kelvin Davis, who I coached. We've been blessed, you know, Luton. Been yeah. blessed with some really, really good goalkeepers over the years, really good keepers, uh, which obviously has helped with the success with the clubs. You know, I know we got uh, the points deducted and we got plummeted down, but to come back, you've always got to have a solid base. And the goalkeeper for me is a massive part of that base. And, and Jake, yeah, affectionately known as the Ox because uh, of his appearance. But uh, yes, he was a, a great goalkeeper. And I think, like you say, going back, you'll get people mention him because of that, you know? So, and, and is, I saw him clearly, that, and I promise. Yeah. Did you? And going back to what you said about so much is emphasised on the goalkeepers with their feet. I don't know if they do it now, but back then, when obviously, especially when I was playing, the keepers used to join in, aren't they, on the field? And playing actually, yes. and do so. Therefore, they were quite decent with their feet back then, anyway. But like, I don't know if they would do it nowadays in the professional goalkeeping setup training. What they do if they actually join in in like a fiber side or whatever. I don't know. But I mean, back then they joined in a lot. Yeah, that, that was a looting thing. I think that uh, the goalies were encouraged to join in uh, all the time, uh, which was great. Obviously, they did their goalkeeping stuff. I think you lose a little bit, Marv, when the goalkeeping coach got involved. When the goalkeeping coach got involved a few years ago, they, they separated him from the group. And yes, you had to pull them back. You had to say, look, we need him back here because, you know, so it was difficult because they were doing lots of hands and feet, lots of hands and feet, angles, hands and feet, quick eye and coordination, which obviously a goalie needs. But you need a complete picture you need a complete mixture of what it is and if you go through I'm sure you're doing it out in the States and, and in Australia if you go through youth setup now the goalies are doing loads of feet you know that's and we've gone the complete opposite where we yeah. have great feet they've got their hands like we spoke earlier which is ridiculous yeah. do you know what I mean but uh, we had that we did that and you do lose that when the goalie gets taken away so you're right Marv I think it's a godsend for goalkeepers even at the highest level to continually use their feet in this day and age. And, and Jake going back 30 years, 25 years, was ahead of his game, yeah. uh, knowing that feet was important because you can, as Andrew rightly said, in the Euros, the goalies with good feet have stood out a mile. They stood yeah. out a mile, you know. And Pickford's, you know, epitomising that at a minute. So that's great. Excellent. Definitely. Right. Definitely. right back. Right, me right back has got a great pair of hands. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> He can take a great throw in. No, no, no. Um, me right back uh, could, again, we'll get to left back in a minute. And, Marv, me and you had to play there because there's so many few. There's so few of them. But uh, me right back, there's an abundance of right backs, you know. There's, there is. there's attacking right backs, good defensive right backs. If I go back to uh, Gary Paul, who played at Barnet, who went on to have a really mm -hmm. good career at uh, Birmingham and Charlton. He come from a nobody. Barry Fry got him from nowhere. Uh, came with his youth stroke reserve side and made him into a player. And I had the pleasure of playing with him. And he was incredible at Barnet and went on to have a great career. Uh, Roger Joseph, the yeah. flying right back at um, uh, Brentford, uh, whose brother played up front for Annie. Sorry? Did you pet Wimbledon as he, well? He, he started at Brentford and he got a decent move to Wimbledon. And that's where he yeah. continued to done very, very well at the highest level. So, again, he started me at Brentford and uh, his brother, Francis Joseph, up front was a top player and got a bad injury. Um, but the two Joseph brothers were with was at Brentford and Roger was decent. He could get up and down, all one-sided, yeah. to be fair, all right-footed, didn't really want to play with his left, but he had so much pace 
yeah. uh, to get up and then recover. You know, one of them crowd pleasers where he could go on an overlap, whiz that crossing, and then really enjoy sprinting back. <laughs> you know, I don't, don't think you've ever done that, Marv, but he used to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, one of them that run back quicker than they go forward, and you think, Jesus, wow, that is impressive. You know, they just yeah. love getting back to the halfway line quick, don't they? And you'll go, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Just turn the turbo off as he lands. You know, it's uh, he was magnificent in that. You know, he, he could really join in uh, and show you what he could do. So, yeah, him, yeah, Gary Paul, uh, Tim Breaker, yep. who was a quality, quality right back for me at Luton when we played together. Again, a bit like Roger, but a bit more finesse, could join in a little bit more, could see the shorter pass as well as the longer one. Loved a little link around the corner, uh, but had that great engine to get back again after he'd. Because that's the thing with this four, three and a half, two and a half. What it means is, is that obviously we won't jump in the midfield too quickly. But if you've got your right side in midfield player tucked in because your wide left is just wide left, lazy left, just rolling in, you need your pace and your energy from your right back. Because without your pace and energy from your right back overloading on the right, you sometimes don't get the width. So you need that energy. So really... Uh, Roger could have played in that role. Tim Breaker definitely could have done uh, and did do at times. And Kirk Stevens did as well. Kirk Stevens joined in in that role when he was playing right back for Luke for the years I played there. He loved that joining in. He come back a little bit slower because he wanted everyone to see how beautiful he was on the way back. He didn't fly back. He just jogged back. But uh, <laughs> he still went forward at a rate of knots that was uh, fantastic. And he had a great knack of joining in at the right times because though he had loads of energy, he didn't have that blistering pace like Roger and maybe Tim, but he had a great knack of joining in late and fast. Do you love that terminology, Marv, late and fast? You must use that in your coaching. You know, like that late and fast where... You know, nowadays you get the lazy right, the real lazy right back who pushes on so early that when it breaks down, there's a massive gap between him and the right-sided centre-half. And the right-sided centre-half pulling a caravan gets caught and you're murdered, didn't you? So <laughs> late and fast, if, if the right-backs or any full-back really, the left-back, right-back, uh, uh, being patient with their joining in, they're in a great position when it breaks down. But as it evolves, they get there late and fast and revive. So that's one of my biggest coaching things. I'm coaching in that month. It's ridiculous. How do we get on the coaching? <laughs> yeah. no. But like the, the best way, when I was at left back, the best, sorry to sidetrack you, the best one for me was in central midfield was springy because every single time I knew as that ball was coming from the right to the left, into the middle to springy, I took off because I knew springy would give me the ball. Do you know what I mean? If I, as soon as the ball yeah. got to his feet, I was like, it would give me the ball no matter what because there's certain players you could like take off and the ball get to, and you call him and you think, He's seeing me, but he's not going to give me. But I could trust Springy yeah. 100% yeah. that I could take off and I know I would get that ball. Yeah. Yeah. But more importantly than that, you had the brains and the vision to see the quality of the ball that was going to Springy. You knew with Springy's quality that he would be able to open up and give it to you. But if you thought that ball was at risk going to Springy, you would wait. True. True. Because you'd be sitting in a great defensive position that if Springy got robbed or it got cut out, there wasn't an ocean. And you could join in late and fast. Once Springy was received and, and comfortable, you're, you're on your way. But yeah. a lot of left backs, a lot of right backs get up there so early because they don't want to do that late and fast, which is our graph mark because you go late and yeah. fast and it still breaks down. You've got to get back. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you're up there too early, 
and you don't bother coming back, your centre back's got to be some player. <laughs> well, that, well, that, well that, that's another thing. I, I was, I think, pretty smart in the, in the knowledge that I'm thinking if I had the ball coming, it wouldn't be for, I wouldn't join in unless I, I knew the ball's going to come to me, then I wouldn't have to run back. Yes. Another way would be yeah. like the, the attacker, now the right winger, yeah. straight away as I just joined in now, the ball's come to spring, he's now got to track back. So I'm taking energy out of his legs for him tracking back. That's it. You know? That's it. But it's great because it comes a cat and mouse as well, because if he wants to be lazy and let you run, yeah. you've got your centre-back who's not now feeling too comfortable, whether the left side was on the day, they're saying, look, I'm in trouble. So it's a cat, I love it, it's a cat and mouse. But you had that on the other side, didn't you? When you was left side centre-back, yeah. and maybe Mitch went walkabouts or whatever, you're now thinking, oh, hold on a minute, I'm in trouble here if it breaks down, but, you know? But to be fair, it used to be me sometimes going walkabouts as a centre-back. <laughs> No, I didn't know that, but I didn't want to mention it. Yeah. The back three, the rest of the back three playing with you again. I'm like, where's he going? So, yeah, walk about City. So, you're, right. your right back is yes, going to do. be Wayne. Who's your right, actual My right back, back he's, uh, he, missed, he missed a very important game through injury. Seven days before this game, he, he'd, been, he'd, been, um, he'd been ever-present. He'd come from a big club to slightly a lesser club but hadn't played but then he went and played 400 games for this club uh, in his career uh, an absolute quality right back going forward that had a great not a complete opposite to what I'm talking about he glided over the ground he didn't 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 speed didn't didn't tear just glided up and glided back silky is what you'd call him never got caught um 1v1s, always gave himself that extra half a yard because he wasn't lightning, but he certainly wasn't slow. Deceptively was he good international? In got a B cap. Got it's a B cap for England. It's the 400 games for one team that's thrown me. 400 yeah. games? For one team? Yeah, for one, it was late, yeah. Late 300s, and I think with cup games and all that, he got to 400, yeah. Yeah, I'll just Google it, but I'm 100% sure. Hold on. What what club was he? I don't know. I mean, again, where, yeah, where was this at? Where were you? Luton. Ah, uh, no. So carry on. He only had five. So it weren't at Luton. Coventry. Yep. Oh, I got it. No, I thought he was. Oh, was did, was he? Did he become a, a coach or a manager? He done a bit of coaching, oh. but he actually did it there at Coventry. Yeah, a bit of coaching. Yeah. Oh. I'll give no. you an exact um, games. Hold on. Play for Coventry. Oh my word! Four hundred and nine. 409. 409 That's... games from 85 to 97. Top lad as well. I haven't seen him for a while. Right back. I'd love Coventry. to catch up with him. What's it? What's it? He was where? Everton. Right. He started at Everton, 27 games. Bolton, 95. Coventry, 409. Was he? Not, not Dan, um... Daniel Andrew, and I? No. What no, I've got no idea. Do you have blonde hair? Fair hair? Uh, Mousy. Not left back. I thought he was left back. Um, no, that was Greg Downs. That was Greg Downs. No, no I'm thinking about um, Bur Burrows, is it? Burrows? Yes. Burrows. What's his name? Brian Burrows? David Burrows. Oh, Brian Burrows. Brian Burrows. Is that it? Yeah, you're thinking of David Burrows that played for Liverpool, the blonde left back. That's, that's right. So it's Brian, Brian Burrows. Brian Burrows. That's it. Bugsy. Yes. Bugsy. That's who it is. Well done, Marv. Well done, Marv. Now you did. Now hold on. You didn't go on Google as well, did you? 
No, no, I, I, hey. I, I, no, I don't. That's cheating. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No, but I thought. Yeah, you know what, I thought. I thought it was left back for some reason. No, 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 no. An out and out right back. Um, played. He, I, I didn't realise till today. I checked because I knew he hadn't played in a cup final because uh, he was crying at me in Magaluf when we met that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't remember why. And, and it was because he. Um, He's twisted his ankle the league game the week before. You know, like you got the last game of the season. Yeah, he'd done his ankle ligaments and didn't play in a cup oh. final, which I didn't realise. Uh, oh. So that was a, he didn't get a, he didn't get a medal. And back then it was just the players on the day that got the medal, whereas now yeah, it's, that's it. just it's, the 12, it's, the, yeah. it's it's the kit man's dog that gets one these days, don't they? Oh, uh, the washing up lady, everybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but Bugsy, Bugsy, Bugsy didn't get a medal. Bugsy, Bugsy Burrows, yeah. So we'll, we'll yes. move on to left back, left back. Then let's switch to the other side. Well, they, this one's quite easy. Where that one was hard, this is quite easy because um, I didn't play. Oh, I'll tell, tell you this one. This is a good one. Now, if I put this guy at left back, you'd never get him. But yeah, I'll see. Go on. No, no, Just no. Clues. But he's, he's very, very famous. Very famous. Not just for football. For another sport. So if I tell you this left back that I played with, the one, that I, the one I've picked as the best player... You'll get right, all right. You've already got him, all right. It's Mitchell, all right. He's gone. Mitchell's yeah. me left back, right? Yeah. So Mitchell's me left back for yeah. quality. Spider, yeah. nasty. Smash your legs in half in training. <laughs> give you a lift and don't give you a lift. Get you there, won't get you there. Will turn up, won't turn up. But as a left back, up and down, vicious winner. Great career, great lad. Come from great nothing lad. and really done himself proud. So he's my left back. But let's play a game with this other left back. Go right? on. That he, um, I played with him early in my career. He at Lincoln, already been, yes, already been there ten years, and he never had, he never had a day off because he also played cricket first class for the same ten years. Oh, so he never had a pre-season for ten years. He never had a pre-season for ten years because he went from football to cricket, cricket back to football for okay. ten full seasons. No, both of them played for Scunthorpe, didn't he? Yeah, both of them played for Scunthorpe. Yeah, no, no, and that was only a publicity stunt. Both of them. Oh, you're talking I about proper, proper, proper football. Who was was an outstanding left back, great man, good footballer, good player, and now played he's international. Some, not a football at cricket. Yes, he played, played the odd game at cricket, but he's involved with the England setup now. Cricket, top top lad. I think he's had an award as well, maybe the OBMBE, one of them as well. He's had I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, you've done me. I wouldn't, I'm, I haven't got a. Well, his name, he's got the same name as a as a fullback who played for Liverpool in England. Oh, same name, different, different guy. Phil same Neil. Name. Phil That's Neil. it, Phil Neil. Phil, Phil Neil. Neil. Yeah, incredible. You Google Phil Neil. He's now, he's now in the England setup uh, in some capacity with the England cricket. But what a good lad! I just I just popped in to have a, a kick about for Lincoln for three months and got his life like his ten years life cycle and I went wow no pre season just cricket football cricket football Whoa. cricket football how good's that to play that at the highest level and play it uh, he played for Worcestershire for I think like eighteen twenty years Ooh, ridiculous played at Worcestershire first class cricket so uh, you, you tend to yeah, find a lot of, a lot of players back. who are good at sport tend to be good at multiple sports. Even if they're not, I mean, he's an exception because he played at the yes. top level for both. But yes. I mean, do you know what I mean? Even even looking through school kids when we're going through school days, if a kid was good at one thing, they can be good at five sports. And if you're bad yes. at one sport, you're going to be bad at every sport on the whole. 
Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, because you, you, amount of players now that play golf, you know, when your legs fall off, we all play golf now. You know, if, if Marvin ever does come back, I'll let him carry me clubs because obviously I've seen him play. <laughs> I, I, drive the, I drive the buggy. I, I, Wayne, that's the one sport I just couldn't grasp. I mean, golf, I but mean, yeah, you're like, pretty good at tennis. You love your tennis and you're decent yeah, at tennis, Marvin. But everyone says to me, like, because a few of the coaches play here, and I said, look, if it was just pitch and putt, I'd do that. I just love to be round the, the green and just like... The exciting bit. The exciting yes. bit. Yeah. 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 Teeing off. The only thing yeah. I couldn't really do was tee off. And it was just like... Mm. I just Now, the teeing and the putting is the best bit. The middle bit in the middle. That's the... No. That's I the like nightmare. that. That's where you're looking for your ball, Andrew. That the middle bit. The middle bit's where you're cutting your ball. <laughs> I, 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 and that's why I stopped playing out here because I have to go into all the all the rough, and you have to go and in summer you're kind of whacking the thing, making as much noise as you can, wait for the snakes to come out. I'm letting no word of a lie. You're kind of whacking it. The snakes, you kind of uh, make as much noise as you can on the golf course, which goes against every rule possible. <laughs> I think well, it was more to do. Go on. You, you know, uh, Trevor Parker, out with you. Trev's out there with you, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's an infamous uh, situation where we all played a golf day at the end of the season and uh, I'm in the rough. You know that shot between the tee and the green, Andrew? Yeah, I'm in the woods looking for my ball and I can see Trevor, he knows all this. Trevor's just over there and I'm looking at him and he bends down, gets his ball, throws it out the trees and goes, I'm out, lads, I'm out, I'm out. Oh, and I know you are, Trev, you've just thrown it and he's never lived it down. So when you ask him about his best shot when he's coming out the rough, see what he says. All right, I, I, that, see what, that's that's Trev. That's typical Trev. That's that's him. I yeah. can make, I can just visualize him doing right. that. I'm out, lads. I'm out, lads. And then just start laughing. I'm out. Oh, I'm out, lads. Not. Oh, I found it. I found it. Oh, hold on. I've got a shot. I've got a shot. I'm out. I'm out. I said, yeah, good throw, Trev. Well done, mate. Can you come and find my ball now? Yeah. So, uh, but yes. So he was um, Phil Neal was a master. Uh, and a real gentleman as well. So if you ever get a chance to bump into Phil Neal uh, on any part of your podcast or life, he's a good lad. So uh, he's uh, and see if he's if I'll be his best left back or right back. I don't know if I would. There you go. Uh, centre back. Right. Centre back. Centre back. Yes. yes, we've got a few. Um, it was funny on Thursday when we was all having a get together. Brian uh, Steeny was talking to because uh, Trevor Hartley turned up. It was nice to see Trevor oh, and Sheridan come. Yeah, Trevor come, John Sheridan come, uh, Nobby, uh, Mossy, uh, Jake, Basher, Walshy, me, Mick Saxby, uh, Mitchell. So it was nice. Ricky? And, um, Ricky? Rick, no, Rick, Rick, Rick said he wouldn't be here. And I bumped into him Saturday at the Memorial Day for Woody. So John Woodward had his Memorial Day, which was lovely. And I said, what are you doing? He said, yeah, I thought I was going to be in Jamaica or America. And I said, you said you couldn't come. So I did invite him, but he said he couldn't right. get it. So, uh, but then he popped up on Saturday, which uh, was lovely, by the way, just going off course a little bit. We did a Memorial Day for John Woodward, who passed okay. away last year, and his wife and uh, well, his widow now, bless her, Nikki. But so she came with the grandkids, and they Mick got the Luton Town, kitted them out with the two kits, and Mick signed the shirts, and they went on the pitch. And it was a good game. Luton won 7-0 against Itchin, so Nathan was happy because yeah. there was no injuries and got a load of goals. And Berkey was happy because he was just counting the crowd. I said, any chance, Berkey, watching the game? And uh, there, was, there was about one and a half thousand there, so he didn't care how many goals went in. So it was uh, a success all round. Everyone, you know, when they're in perfect days and everything goes yeah. great. Sunny That's day, good. no rain, it was threatening thunder, thunderstorms that nothing happened. And the crowd come in and Luton scored goals and no injuries. 
So everybody was happy. But uh, going back to centre-halves, Brian was having this conversation, I think, with uh, Mick Saxby, talking about Paul Elliott and Steve Foster. And I said, you can't compare them. They were both great centre-halves, but complete different ends of the spectrum. You know, you had Fozzie who didn't want to run and was never going to run. And when you played left back, which I did several times, more than several times, I don't know, 20, 30 times with uh, Fuzzy, you had to stay half a yard in front of him. And it didn't matter whether the ball was being pressurised or not being pressurised. He was not going to drop because he wanted that trap, a bit like the Tony Adams era, where he wanted that trap that anything that went in the Sharks then between Les in goal and him at centre half, you're going to be offside. But if you wasn't, it'd be me and whoever's at right back and the centre back alongside him had to race back and try and make amends. Where Paul Elliott just invited the race. Yeah. just wanted a race. He wanted to show, a bit like Roger Joseph, he wanted to give the centre forward half a yard. A bit like Walker now, isn't it? For England. Yeah. Walker yeah. just loves having a race, doesn't he? He doesn't yeah. want yeah. to have anything else. He wants to show you how quick he is and how good he is with his pace. And Tet was exactly the same. So yeah. both were difficult to play with as a fullback. There was no sort of up, squeeze, up, squeeze. One of my centre-backs that I've picked, probably both the two centre-backs I've picked, were masters of working the centre-forward. Right. All right? You know that, Marv, how you work. Yeah, yeah, squeeze, yeah, yeah. When Paul goes, when Paul goes back, squeeze up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Squeeze them up, drop off. Squeeze yeah, them up, drop, drop off. off. Yeah. Fozzy did it a bit. Fozzy did it, but he'd like to squeeze up and stay up. Paul wanted to stay up and sprint back. So they were two classy centre halves, but in complete opposites. Out of, thank God they never played together. Christ, <laughs> if they played together, it'd, it'd have been murders. But uh, they were brilliant. They were brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and a pleasure to play with. But was difficult. You had to be on your toes and see which way you were playing on the day. You know, because as a fullback, you had to be ready when you when you're playing that high. It's uncomfortable when there's no pressure on the ball. Yeah. And you know, Marv, because you're inviting that one in behind and you're... Mm. I had a little bit of pace, Marv, but not uh, not Etrasek, you know. So, um, Kill Klein, Brian Kill Klein yeah. was, again, just a freak. Uh, at 16 years old, we went over to the Blauwit tournament. You must have gone, Marv. Yeah, yeah, Blauwit, yeah. yeah. Well, I had a hat-trick. I had three times over there. And the third time, I went over with Clive Goodyear as one of the older players in the group. And Kill Klein turned up for Notts County... And he looked 10 years older than me. And he was 16. He was just a man mountain at 16. And he just went on to be that colossus of a person and was a was a pussycat, really, but come out as an aggressive centre-half and hurt people, you know? And if I've got another saying as a, as a coach, is a centre-half or a defender in general, you've got to hurt people legally. Because if you don't hurt the centre-forward or the forwards legally, yeah. why are they going to look over their shoulder? Why are they going to actually... Do you know what I mean? Correct. Worry about them. Um, so they've got a mention. Um, Berezi, I didn't play with him, right? But Walshy, sadly, he'd have loved to play with me, Berezi. But um, Walshy played against Berezi once, and he was telling me, no, twice, and he said to me, Wayne, he was that good, and this leads on to one of my centre-halves about another player who played against him. He said he was that good with a squeezing up and dropping off that Walshy actually looked for him when the ball was coming into him, he couldn't not construct on the ball. He couldn't pin him. He couldn't spin him. He couldn't get over the top because he never knew where he was. So he actually thought he'd get it in the feet. He's offside. He thought he'd go over the top and Brazy's waiting for him. He said it was impossible. You just could not read Brazy. He read you. So 
you can imagine being a centre forward. You know, right. when you get you have a troubled centre forward who's, who's bossing you, but you can imagine when you're bossing the centre forward, which you've done in your time, Mark. But is that is that good that the quality of Walsh and them Liverpool players at the time Walsh was playing for Liverpool, they were looking behind themselves where Barazi was and the ball hit him on the shin or hit him in the chest because he's not looking at the ball. It was incredible right. to get that synopsis and idea and understanding of a top, top centre-half. And one of mine, we'll go for him first, one of mine was that good. He was really? that good at working the centre-forwards. He was outstanding at it. He was outstanding right. at it. And, and, the, and this player you played with at Brentford? Lincoln. Ooh. He went on to have a great Ooh. career. Did he have bushy, curly, like a curly hair? Did he, well, afro sort of curly. You're thinking of Steve Thompson, it weren't him? Yeah. That's what I was no, thinking. No, it No. He had the best mirror and best comb and loved himself with all the oils. He was the best, I love myself, Tomo, but he weren't the best centre-half. The guy who played alongside him, Oh, not 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 the one. He, not he went to Coventry and then went to Luton. Who's that? Who's that? Oh, Trevor Peake. Peaky. Peaky. Was that Lincoln? Yeah. Peaky. Coventry. That's Luton. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where I never drank an alcoholic drink until I met Peaky at twenty years old at Lincoln. <laughs> that's where it all started going wrong, Muff. He used to. He took me out. We we had a. I never drank. I never drank alcohol till I was 20, just for my 21st birthday. I had 20, my 21st birthday at Lincoln. And uh, Peaky had got me having a couple of little pints, you know, at lunchtime. And I, I'm like, I think, what are you doing? And they had tadpoles in the pint in Lincoln in these pubs, like the tadpoles going around in this pint of ale. And I thought, oh my God, I can't drink that. He goes, get it down your neck. So we had a couple of sherbets, are horrible. But I started tadpoles. getting a taste for it. Well, it looked like tadpoles. It was, it was a ferment of the, of the, of the oh. ale. You know what I mean? It was like floating around it, like tadpoles right. or something around in it. And uh, we had one day where we'd uh, we'd finished and we were going up the golf club for bangers and mash and a pint of this ale. Anyway, we got told on the way there that we were coming in in the afternoon for training in the gym, doing shooting. I had a pint. I couldn't see the ball in the afternoon. I'd only had a pint and I'm like all over the place and they're all giggling and laughing. And I was like half cut. I've had one pint of this tadpole stuff and uh, it's Peaky's fault. But... Just to digress before, I'll tell you one thing about Peaky. When I had my 21st up there, we had um, Lincoln had a local derby against Scunny, Scunthorpe. And it was the night, it was the day of my birthday, my 21st birthday. We, I think it was a Wednesday or something like that, a Thursday or something, Wednesday night, Tuesday night. So I had to stay in the night of my 21st and I was in this rubbishy little bed sit and it was so horrible. The wind was blowing through the window and it was shut. Blowing on my 21st birthday cards over. And I'm like that thinking, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? So I get up for the game and Colin Murphy, bless him, he said to me, Wayne, he said, uh, you stayed in last night, didn't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, you're going out tonight then? I said, aren't I? He went, yeah, you're going out with me. He said, and the lads, and we're taking you out for your 21st. He said, so make sure we win the game and we'll go out. And what you got to do is come in the boardroom and tell me wife that you're coming out of me that I'm coming out with you. You've, you've promised, I've promised you I'm coming. I went, right, okay, right. And sort of thought, hmm. Anyway, one first five minutes, they get a lad sent off. We beat Scunny 5-0. We murder him. So we love it. I'm in the bar. I've got me night out. I'm going out. And Murph, don't forget, come in the boardroom. So I walk, knock on the door. Uh, half hour, like I said, hello, Gaffer. Um, don't forget, we're going out tonight for my birthday. You what? I said, we're going out for me birthday. Are we? Oh, Christ. 
Oh, sorry, love. Look, I can't let him down. It's his 21st. <laughs> but, but you can't let him down. He stayed in last night, stayed in the bed sit. So uh, we've gone out and we've um, had a good night. We've ended up in the uh, the nightclub in um, in uh, Lincoln. I forget the name of it now, but there used to be a little train shop over the road. And when you come out, you used to just lean on the window looking at the trains going around, waiting for your taxi. And uh, he um, he come in and he bought a Bucks Fizz. He said, Wayne, 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 come on, Bucks Fizz, all round Bucks Fizz. I went, Bucks Fizz? What's Bucks Fizz? Didn't know what Bucks Fizz was. I went, okay. So he got the girl behind the thing, get the champagne, put the orange juice in. And she went, that'd be 21 pounds, Mr. Murphy. He went, oh, give us that here. He took, he took the invoice off. I took the little set. It won't be now, will it? I walked off. And I went, oh, sorry, 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 love. I walked off with me. me bottle of champagne. He had the invoice. He had the receipt. It was great. <laughs> And he signed me the next morning, the next morning for another month. But anyway, Pinky, Pinky, you won, right? Yes. Remember Paul Furlong? Yes. Paul Watford. Furlong, yeah. Right. Yeah, Watford. When QPR, I come back, yeah. you might have been playing, Marv, because I come back reserve team coach for Pleaty, and I went up to um, uh, Vicarage Road, and you had him on a Tuesday night or something. And Furlong has just come from Enfield, and he was on fire. He'd been there about nine months, nineteen years old, smashing in goals for fun. And he played against Peaky, and Peaky done a Barese on him. It was absolute. And I was sitting on the halfway line watching the game, doing bits for Peaky. I wasn't full throttle with the first team, but I was doing bits. Maybe the lads, the squad players, run them afterwards and all that stuff. So I was involved, but not not assistant manager at the time. And I just watched Peaky. Oh my God! In the end, Furlon ended up going. He didn't know what right. to do. He just didn't know. He was so physical, so quick. So powerful, he wanted a contest. And yeah. Peaky did everything except give him a contest. And in the end, it was like, he just literally give up. he just give up right. and we beat him away at Vicarage Row. And it was just a master class. Peaky coming towards the end of his career, well into his 30s, playing a 19, 20-year-old whippersnapper who was going to elbow him for fun and smash him to death. And Peaky just puzzled him. It was right. as good a, good a display of... Have you ever done that, Marv? You must have worked on some players in your time where you've had to outthink them because you don't want to outrun them anymore. You don't want to outphysical them anymore. You just got yeah, to outthink I mean, them. Like, I mean, like you, like you just said there about Peaky, you, you knew, I think, the players who wanted to fight you and you knew the players who were like a little bit more tricky who you like to give a bit of a dig. I mean, the likes of, I mean, yes. Mark Hughes at Man United yes. when I was young, but still, obviously, I knew he wanted to fight. I knew he wanted to film me and all that stuff. So I, I didn't really get into that sort of, like confrontation no. with them. So I no. mean, again, I think like you said, Peaky, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying obviously I was like um a top, top player, but I always used to try and it's like anything, you try and work out different ways, if it's tennis, if it's golf or whatever, you try and find a different way of trying yes. to outwit someone. And I think that's what Definitely. it's like chess. It's like it's like, it's all like different tactical yeah. situations as a manager you're trying to outwit someone with formations or different like you're saying that little two and a half or three and a half just playing do you yeah know what i mean you're always yeah. trying to outwit someone like the fullback cat and mouse yeah yes it is like, no it is and, and i think you know when you're when you're like peaky maybe you're a bit taller than peaky but when you're only five ten and a half five eleven you're not physically you're not a man mountain you're not quick but you're not slow you got to use your brain. And I found that as a kid that I had to learn, which helped me with my coaching when I got older, because I was all right at everything and not great at nothing. So I wasn't lightly quick. My brain was my tool. My brain was what I had. And, and you have to use your brain to unpick problems on the football pitch. And then you end up 
being half decent at coaching because you've done that. But when you're blessed with power and pace and you're blessed with this physique that is unmatched for months and years as a kid, you get to that, how many we know, Marv, where they've got to that stage at 19, 20 and just fell mm. apart because now they've met their physicality, they've yeah. met their strength, they've met their pace. And Andrew, then they've got nowhere to go with their brain because yeah. their brain hasn't yeah. been developed to unpick Correct. problems. And that's where he was a master, that the tools he'd been given, Peaky, he could pass it both feet, he could mm. play at a great level, at the highest level, pick up that cup final medal without yeah. being given the Paul Elliott pace or the Steve Foster strength. You know, it was a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think when I see them sort of players, I just love them because they've made the most out of what they've been given. Uh, and it's a, it's a thinking footballer. So the other one, the other centre half, you'll probably get maybe easy, but uh, again, special talent, uh, a real all rounder, had a great, great, great career. Uh, and has gone missing, but you know where he is. You know where he is, but he don't want to come back. So, uh, and if I saw him tomorrow, I'd love to buy him a beer because he meant a lot to me. Uh, a perfect gentleman as well. An absolute gent off the pitch. Luton? Yes. International? Yes. Mal? Yes. Have you spoke to him? No, I mean, he's, he's, he's another one I would love to get on. Love to get on. You've got absolutely no chance. If he comes on, the world will go, Wow. He's just buried in Ireland right. somewhere working for the Irish FA, that, That's going to be he's, my mission then, to get him then. Um, he's, he's, get I'm get him on. He's, he's working for the Irish FA with Seamus Heath. Remember Seamus? Seamus Heath, the left winger? No, I he don't. He didn't play too many. He was a squad player. He did a little bit. But he's quite a big hitter now in the Irish FA. And Mal's been working there for a long time. Yeah. I've heard he's been working with the Irish FA, yeah, for a long, long time. A long, long time. But he was, he was um, brilliant. Brave. Quick. Could join, you know, like they're on about Maguire now. Yep. Yeah. Mal Maguire walks in on that left hand side with his right foot. That's what Mal did. Yeah. Mal could walk in on that left side centre back. But that's why, with my team formation, what well, going back to Mitchell, uh, I've always loved a right footed left back. And in the shape that I'm playing here with a wide left that, that really cheats in between the, that's where the word cheat comes in, lazy. He sits <laughs> between the front two and the midfield three. Okay, this wide man sits there. You need him out there when you've got a Mal Donaghy at right, uh, left side centre back and Mitchell at left back because they need an out ball. You know that lovely one where you just play that little right footed yeah. angle ball wide that starts the triangles off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, do you know what's getting on my nerves in, in this Euros, which Go on. Um, is left footed left backs, and it's one of my pet hates every time I watch it. They get the ball and they just roll it back to the right-footed left-sider centre-back who's in trouble. Because their <laughs> first... Their f Ashley Cole used to play around the corner with his right foot and he's outside his left foot. He's one of the gifted left-backs with a left foot that used to pop into the first striker. But left-footed left-backs, Marv, drive me mad. They play more balls back to the centre-half. I could still play there. You just get it. <laughs> you look quite nice. You pull your shorts up. You have a little look round. Give it back to your centre-back. Or you roll it back into your centre midfield player. They don't pop it into that first striker. Do you know what I mean? They don't pop it into the second striker. And it irritates me, but a right-footed left-back does. Or a wide man, a right-footed wide man rolls it into that striker. Yep. So you're not going to get my wide left because you've already got it wrong. I know you think it is, but it ain't. All right? So we'll do... Um, 
we'll, 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 right? we'll, we'll, no, we'll, what we'll do is we'll pause there for a second and hear from our sponsors, have a little break, um, hear from our sponsors, and then when we come back, we will hear from the rest of Wayne's uh, Best Eleven. Hi, I'm Kelvin Davis. This is Sean Deitch. This is Ricky Hill. My name is Kevin Nichols. My name is Mark Pembridge. Hi, my name's Rebecca Lowe. Kevin Gallen. Hi, my name is Mick Harford. My name's Steve Davis. This is Ian Foyer and Kevin Foley. My name's Graham Alexander. And you're listening to... And you're listening to My Best Eleven. My. My Best Eleven. My Best Eleven podcast. Great, so we are back for part two of Wayne's Best Eleven. We're going to launch straight over to Marv for Marv's 60 seconds. So, over to you, Marv. All right, just um, one or the other, Wayne, just whatever comes to your head, all right? VAR or no VAR? Getting better. Which one? VAR or no VAR? Which one? Yes, if it stays good, yes. Um, Maradona or Pele? Pele. If you could change one rule in the game, what would it be? Uh, substitutions be done more efficiently. Favourite other sport apart from football? Golf. Rangers or Celtic? Rangers. If you could play for a club anywhere in the world, which club would it be? Luton Town. Best person you have seen live play play live in person? Player? Oh, uh, Graham Soonis when I played against him. Bundesliga, LA, Liga or Syria for quality? Uh, Bundesliga well, they're all one team leagues and they two team leagues Bundesliga funniest teammate last one funniest teammate well apart from me <laughs> um, funniest teammate funniest teammate yeah quickly 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 oh god funniest teammate oh you, you've done me now you Marv <laughs> you <laughs> you're doing me you laugh at me jokes Marv that I do <laughs> I, you're funny you are <laughs> you're doing me you're doing it. Fabulous. So okay. that's that's Mars 60 seconds. Just to recap for those people who are jumping um, jumping in or managed to have forgotten um, his team. So far, we've got Jake Finley, Brian Burrows, Mitchell Thomas, Trevor Peake, Mal Donaghy. So we're now going to go into midfield. So over to you, Wayne. Whichever of the, the three, yep. really, or do you want to start on your fake left? Not yeah, well, you. I think because we've got this dodgy four, three and a half, two and a half, it's dodgy to you two, but it's been my brain for 30 years. So <laughs> it, it, we are in trouble if it's dodgy to me. Um, yeah, it's a shape that I love. It's a shape that uh, Pleaty introduced uh, David in my early years, and I love the way it was played. Uh, so we'll go to that wide left, which is a position that makes it the three and a half, two and a half, because he's the half a player that plays in both slots. He's a little bit in midfield. And he's a little bit in the front. Nowadays, all the gurus call it rotation. But in our day, he called it a lazy left. That he'd be sort of trying to stay in that pocket. You know, they call between the lines now and all yeah. that stuff. But that was but that was happening thirty years ago. But, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. we were we were we were prehistoric then, and you couldn't do it then, could you? Because no way you could roll into a hole or rotate. Hey, hey. And it was it was before the Premier ball. League. Football did not exist before the Premier League and Sky Sports. <laughs> That's the one. Andrew, you're spot on. So I'm going to try and uh, answer the case for the lads before the Premier League. And we had this great formation. Yeah, and the three and a half, two and a half was that one player. So he um, he was a great favourite of mine. Loved playing with him. Always secured the ball. Always a threat. And went on 
This is where it's going to confuse you, Mark. Uh, Marv. He went on to have a fantastic career when he left me, like most people, actually. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he did. He went on to have a fantastic career when he left me. And was this wide left Luton? No, so it isn't oh. Mossy. Mossy was so no, 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 good. no, no. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking it. I wasn't thinking it was um, ah. Mossy. Well, no, because because we've heard that Mossy doesn't use his head. So that's why yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't have the ball. He doesn't. Yeah, he and didn't. We, we didn't. Yeah. No. What I, I no, knew you were not someone who wouldn't have the ball. No, no, no. What Mossy did. And you've heard this from several players that we 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 ployed, completely ployed to hit their right back. That when we took a kick, that if we didn't play out from the back, we aimed at their right back, who invariably won the header and headed it out for a throw-in because Mossy just at the last minute had put his neck and his little face across him so he couldn't see it, but made sure he didn't edit. <laughs> and he just did and, and the right back would end up heading out for a throw-in. And we'd set up we were brilliant at throw-ins, as Marv knows, and in them, in them days we had some fantastic throw-ins. Yeah that made me coach throw-ins even to this day. If I put a session on tomorrow, I'll coach throw-ins because it's the biggest restart in football that's never practised. It's farcical. Uh, and it's the most important thing. You know, yeah. you spend 10 seconds shouting at the ref, it's your ball, and then you get it and give it to them. So you might as well say to the ref, it's theirs, it's theirs, and they'll give it to you because Very that's true. how farcical throw-ins are. But Mossy was a class, class act. But this lad was very similar to Mossy, but younger and went on to have an outstanding career. Did he play for uh, yes, England? England. Yes, he played for England. Did QPR. He, did he play QPR Sorry. and then went to Sheffield yeah. Wednesday? Did he go to Wednesday? No, and he yeah. went somewhere bigger than that. Tottenham? Yes. Yes. Yes, they won. You got it, Andrew. Ah, it. I think so. Andy Sinson. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Loved him. He, uh, I think he came from Cambridge, bumped into him at Brentford, had two years of him, and he was a young version of Mossy. He could go either way. He was that right-footed left winger again that could roll it into the forwards, follow his ball, or do the little jinx and get it back with a one-two, or do the little leg over, go down the outside and deliver across. And he was a, he was a replica of Mossy. It just shows you know that Mossy was at Swindon for nine years and never kicked on yeah. and got to Luton had his best years in his later life of his career. But sinners. Andy Sinton got that recognition and that notice that early in his career and went on to play for England. And they were very, very similar in quality, True. personality and ability. And just two different eras. It's a real shame. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking it away from Sinners, but Mossy never had that same exposure uh, because quality players. And, and Andrew uh, Sinners down at uh, Brentford was fantastic. And, and we, we had a little triangle going. Graham Ricks popped in for five minutes from Arsenal. And we had a couple of months of Rixie, and the three of us played in little triangles week in, week out. It was fantastic. And uh, I just, you had Rixie coming to the end, Sinners at the start, and me in the middle, and it was lovely. Uh, so that was a, yeah, quality. But, um, but going, going, going back inside, to your throwing, Wayne, Wayne, just strictly going back to your throwings, um, I heard Klopp got a throwing coach in a year ago, two yeah. years ago, yeah. to do the throwings. You're, you're spot coach. on. It's amazing. But I, I find it, I, I, I'd struggle now, Marv. If I went, not that I'd, you know, I'd get a chance now, but if I went and coached in the Premier League, I'd find it so strange. Do you know what I mean? I've got the fitness coach, I've got the, the uh, nourishment coach, I've got the throwing coach, I've got the back four coach, I've got the midfield coach, I've got the front coach. I'm thinking, what am I coaching? Am I on the coach? I might as well sit on the coach. Because <laughs> you just got no time with the players. You remember when I coached you, I had, it was all me. I loved it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got from start to finish the warm-up coach, the warm-down coach. Where, where'd you fit in? 
Do you know what I mean? Where do you do anything? And, and, that, and I think that when you've got a throwing coach, I think the idea is fantastic. But where's the coach who's, who loves the shape, who's doing the... Yes. You know, you, you, you've got to talk about your shape, who's coming up for yeah. the throw-ins, who's taking the throw-ins, who's involved in the throw-ins. Well, surely that's down to the first-team coach who's doing the team shape. And there must be so many people involved, Marvin. It must be bonkers. But I mean, at least they're addressing it because yeah. throw-ins have been dreadful over the years. But with I actually do, um, or I have done in the past, you do crossing and shooting sessions with starting with throw-ins. You just set up throw-ins, you've got three different throw-ins, and you end up and you know the opposite side crashing the box late. Then you have another turn, they throw from that side, and it's great. But throwing coach, do me a favor. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it? But do you know what I mean, it's like having the old what's he called in, in American football? Yeah, like having the, him coach, you know, yeah. the old uh, quarterback doing his yeah. bit. Do you know what I mean? So, but I think you know, but I think throw-ins are a massive part. But to get a coach in, you know, specifically to do throw-ins is a bit. Can you imagine him warming up, waiting for the lads when he's waiting for the lads? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm I'm the throwing coach. <laughs> Fabulous. So next to Andy Simpson right. in central midfield or somewhere across the three. Yeah, well, this this one, this lad again is a could have been Brian Horton, who was a big inspiration to me, and a skipper at Luton. Um could have been Mal when he sat in there, but this lad sits in midfield. He's got some legs, had a great career. Um, not at a high, well, he started at the highest, highest, but popped into me, done some stuff for me, covered the ground. I think he's out with you in the States now. I read earlier today, doing a bit, mm-hmm. but um, great lad, great sense of humor, real, real, real top set. Loves a joke like Marvin Mitchell and the boys. Um, good player and, and played 500 plus been around the block a few times and could really? put his foot in, could see the game, back the play up, but every now and again with it a rasping shot and uh, get us a goal. Did he, did he have, um, was he at Southampton? Did he ever play for Southampton? No. No, I had two great midfield players at Lincoln with me that went to Southampton, George Shipley and Glenn Cockrell. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, in my, in my, in my year at... Um, my four months at uh, thing, I had some great players. Remember Tony Cunningham? Laurie, yes. They called him Laurie. The big black yes. centre forward. Tony, yeah, great yeah. lad. Good, good striker. Phil Neal, we spoke about. David Gilbert. Naylor Felgate. Steve Thompson. Trevor Peake. Glenn Cockrell. Tony Cunningham and George Shipley. Gordon Hobson went big money to Southampton as well. Here's that so was a really good side, you know. This but one, this one them, we were talking about. Who, what club was you at with him? This one I was at about. Brentford with him. Stevie Perriman signed him. Frank oh, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say Perryman. Now, Steve Perryman's on his subs bench just because I wanted to put him on a sub bench because um, he sold me at Brentford when I didn't want to go. He got rid of me, so I thought I'd put him on a bench. But he's a great lad, Stevie P. But uh, no, he oh. would be a city midfield player. But this lad, he bought, he got him in. He was decent. He played alongside me. We, we did all right together. Did he? And then when I left, he, he in, took over my role. Who? Was he a manager as well? No, no. He'd gone, he's gone coaching. I read today he's coaching women's football out in America. Or he has oh. been. Oh, shoot. And he got coach of the season in 2009 or something, a few years ago now. Played for Chelsea. He, played, he started his career at Chelsea. You remember oh. Canaville, Paul Canaville, yeah. all the abuse from the shed? Well, he played yeah. alongside Canners. And uh, he, he got a bit of a stick, but not the same. But he had to cope with it, bless him, because he was uh, a black lad. And he did the same as Canners. Oh. I, I, I can't think of his name. I know who it is now. 
black lad, midfield, yeah. ran all day, put his foot in. I loved him as a lad as well. Great lad. Loved the laugh, but knew what, when to get off. No, I'm not going to. Andrew? It's Keith Jones. Jones. No. Jonesy. Uh, Keith Jones. Keith Jones. Keith Jones. Jonah. Did he, did He's he, out in the States, apparently. Is he? I mean, did he play for Charlton as well? Went at Charlton, done really well at Charlton, played a lot yeah. of games at Charlton, played a lot yeah. of games at Charlton. He finished at Charlton, I think, so that was seen coming to the end. But with my midfield, with my midfield, as soon as wide left, the attacking midfield player next to him in a minute, and the, the, the touching right sider, you need someone who can run all day and boot people. And I can't play because it's my team, so it had to be in. Uh, and it couldn't be Brian Orton because he wouldn't run all day, he'd run most of the day, but not all the day. So uh, Jonesy at that age was was great. He put his foot in, he'd done a job. And and as a lad coming from that Chelsea situation and getting on with his career and doing really, really well, I admired him as well, you know. He was yeah, such a, right. uh, a good type, strong character. So Jonesy, so you've got him and Sinners. You've got Sinners, Andy Sinton tucked in on the left. Could have been Mossy, but I've gone from Sinners because he's got the England cap. Jonesy in there. Then the next one, I got him right at the very end of his career. You'll get this one. Uh, I got him right at the very end of his career just a gifted 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 footballer that I'd imagine in his early years was awesome um, could create and score and do anything he wanted he was that gifted um, yeah come to me late in his career I'm going to throw out there I reckon you've already said his name no I haven't oh, it's not Rick's Graham Rick's no not Rick's no uh, no it's not Rick's when you mean end of your career do you mean at Barnet? <laughs> End of his career. Oh, that's, what I, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Oh, the end, end, of, so the end of his career, not the end of yeah. uh, Wayne's career. Oh, that's no, what I was no. good shout, Rixie. No. We had a few of them. I had uh, Chris Kamara, Kenny Sanson, Brian Marwood, all them. I think I finished them all off. Phil Chappell. Ooh. I saw Phil Chappell. You know Phil Chappell? Yes, yes. He's, he's chief scout at Luton now. He's head of recruitment. And uh, okay. I, bumped into him, I bumped into him Saturday at the Hitching game. He said, hello, Wayne. I said, hello, Phil. He said, yeah, you finished my career. Oh, no, all right. Brilliant. <laughs> he said, yeah, you dropped me when you was assistant manager at um, Peterborough with Bazza. He went down a manhole mile, started the second half at Holloway, and that was it. He never come back out of the manhole. He finished at 13. And then he started as our chief scout. And he's never looked back in 20 years. He had a great time. So uh, he said, you've done well for me. But uh, no, I didn't finish this lad's career. But um, he was he come to us. I think we was his last club he played for. And uh, he's an absolute legend. He come to the end of his career. Oh, um, did he play at Tottenham as well? Tottenham. Oh, he's one of the all-time legends at his football club, the club I'm t- that I was with at the time. Oh, the club he was at at the time. Yeah. Well, put it this way: there's a lot of talk about him about being the club's saviour, right? But it's not quite true because if I hadn't come off for him to go on, he wouldn't have been the club saviour. I was the real saviour by coming off. If it hadn't have been for me coming off, right. I'd dread to think what had happened. Oh, I lost the game. Oh, I got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Was he? Was he um, manager of Real Madrid? Yes. Oh, yes, Raddy. Raddy, Raddy Antique. Yes. Okay, right. Raddy. Yes. Raddy. Yes. Quality. Love the clue. Love the clue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great clue. But he he um, he gets all the credit for keeping Luton up. <laughs> but if they had took me off, Andrew, we'd have gone down and he'd have never come on. So I don't get all the Ferrari. I'm thinking Wayne's the saviour because he got taken off of eight minutes left. Played three at the back. He went on, smashed in the winner. And I said to David on Thursday, 
you know that infamous run he does in that dodgy beige suit? Yeah. Completely. I said to him, do you know where you went when you got to the end of that run? And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I cuddled me captain, Brian, and Brian was sitting next to him. And I went, yeah, do you know I was cuddling Brian when you got there? He went, no. I said, me, you elbowed me in the chops. He went, <coughs> cheers, Brian. <laughs> you watch that clip, watching to the end of the run. When he gets there, I'm already cuddling Brian, Brian Nobby. And he comes and elbows me in the chops in the side of the face. Get out of the way, Wayne, I need me skipper. He went, I never did. I said, you did. He battered me. So you got Raddy in that midfield, who was absolute class. To do the reverse pass, to do, don't watch the eyes, to just nick around the corner, get it back, go past people. And nasty when he tackled you. Really nasty. You know what I mean? Could really hurt you. Um, I drink, well... I'd, be, I'd love to have seen him in his early career. I bet he was frightening, you know. Um, he come to us as a lead bro, which weren't going to happen too much in our football when he arrived in our shores, the lead bro. But, uh, yeah, he popped up in several positions. But if you had him as an attacking midfield player nowadays, in his prime, oh, my God. Jonesy sitting, Raddy picking his runs, picking his quality passes to your front players, he'd, he'd be a force to reckon with. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Real Madrid, Barca... David was telling me he's got a, a, a seat in the dugout with his name on that no one sits in at Real Madrid. Really? That's some some honour that, that is. Cool. So, uh, yeah. wow. I'm even some like, even something like deep. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to put me in the uh, lawnmower store just sitting in there. In the <laughs> what they'll do is they'll give you a Kenilworth Road just before we move to Power Court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've one for you. Yeah, it's at the Alpha Ground. They're going to name the stand as they put the digger through it. Yeah. <laughs> That's quality. The, the Wayne and Marvin stand as they put the first digger through it. That's brilliant. That'd be great, that would. So, so uh, next to Raddy. Next to Raddy. Yeah, next to Raddy now. It's going to be an easy one. And I couldn't think of anything clever. I have, I've had some. Um, Good right side. And we mentioned um, Eddie Steen, which was outstanding at Barney, a different level, I know, but he played for 100 years there. Do you know what I mean? I think he was like 2,000 games, Eddie. He just turned up yeah. about 42, kept running up and down. He was fantastic. Gary Parker deserves a mention. Frankie Bunn. Yeah. Gary Parker was, was incredible on that right-hand side and went on to have a, an unbelievable career at Forest as a lazy left. You know, we talked about this lazy left. He would go out on that Forest one because... Uh, Cluffy loved a, a right-footed left-back and a right-footed wide left. He had Robertson, didn't he, for years. Yeah. He'd go either way, Robbo. And then he had Parks, who just rode in on that left-hand side into them pockets and was phenomenal. So Parks needs a, a mention. Frankie Bunn, they went on and had a great career and both of them could play in that hole. But uh, the one the one you don't need to guess, it's just an outstanding lad and an outstanding player. My main man, you know what I mean? And we all loved him. So let's just move on. Yep. <laughs> No, I've already written his name down. I wrote his name everyone, down already. Everyone, everyone's <laughs> yeah. had him in his team. Every single one who's played with him at Luton and Bell some time has had him in his team. Yeah. Ricky, you can't, you can't help it because I'll tell you for why. Ricky played that role. The, the, there is a real, and I've coached it since, and that role, that right-handed sided player who has to tuck in and get out, so it's like an into-out role, is the hardest role to play because you've got to be in the right place at the right time and you've got to be two or three places ahead of the game so you're sitting there arriving there to receive that pass you're not wide right you're not right midfield but you do need that crashing right back you need that right back to get mm. around you time on time out because 
to give the the side the balance. But Ricky, with um, with uh, Kirk Stevens at the time, had a great understanding, as Mossy did with me or Mitchell, whoever was playing at left back. You had this fantastic shape, this three and a half, two and a half, where Ricky done so much running that was unseen, apart from his quality that he undoubtedly had. He had to cover so much ground to cover that little inside right role. And it was a real, it was being in the right place at the right time to execute so many good things. And, and when he got there at the right time, it was a formality that he 99 out of 100 made the right decision. So uh, right. Ricky's your man. Ricky's your man yeah. all day long. And, you know, I think he got bypassed because he wasn't quick enough to be a wide right. He wasn't uh, defensive enough to be a right of two. So David Pleat's team was beautiful for Ricky and Ricky was beautiful for him. They married for each other. And that's why I don't think he got the move. I don't think he got the move because at the time everybody was playing 4-4-2, 4-2-4. And Ricky wasn't that. We wasn't that. That's why Mossy was at a quiet taste on the other side because you had that lazy left on one side and Ricky on the right. And then two players were the pinnacle to that shape. Incredible, yeah. really. Uh, yeah. And that's why I can only think he never got the move he deserved because everybody was playing 4-4-2. I'm not saying he couldn't played it. He could have played wide right. He could have played right of two, but it had been maybe stuck out there or stuck right. in there. With this <clears throat> formation, he could rotate. Again, here we go, rotate between the lines. Yep. Ricky was rotating in that system for 10 years. You know what I mean? A lot of sides were. Yeah. It was get it wide, whiz it in, crash in the box. You know, we've got the best players. We've spent most of the money. You do your job. Wide right, get, get wide. Wide left, get wide. Yeah. Tuck in, get into out, up and down. I'm not saying he couldn't have done it, but I think he was maybe a victim of his own success in that system uh, with Pleaty's brainchild, really. Yeah. Pleaty did. What no, definitely. Definitely. So, so right. strikers, last two. We got two up front because what I did have, I had a front three when I was going away from, you know, me four, three and a half, two and a half. I had a four, three, three in me locker, which was against everything I thought about because I have, I have played it as a coach. Of course, I've had loads of systems like Marv, as you have your three at your back. But if I had my favourite system, it was this. So I've ended up with a front two. And um, that could have been two of any three. And sadly, the one that's missed out is Steeny. He's on me bench. But the other two, um, I've got to give a couple of mentions, and one of them is a lad called Gary Blissett. That's a Brentford. Gary... I played against him. Oh against my him. god, what an handful he was! Yeah, Bliss. You, well, you tell me about him when you played against him, Bliss. Oh, uh, horrible. I mean, like, I think he's, he's a, he was like a massive man mountain, and like, he was aggressive, he was like strong in the air, and he and he could score goals. So, he, I mean, I wouldn't say he was blessed with a lot of pace. But I mean, he wasn't slow at the same time. But like I said, he was a big, big handful. I played against. I mean, I remember Brentford. Well, Bliss come from Crew, and I only had two years of him, and uh, he was he was nasty. He mm. was he was a, he was a, a smaller version of Mick Hartford, really. Mm. You know, he was he was Mick Hartford esque. He was that style. Could play, could leave his elbow in, leave his foot in. And we had a game at um, you know what Boxing Day's like. It's the worst yeah. game of the year, isn't it? You've had the biggest Christmas dinner. You've had a couple when you shouldn't have done on Christmas Eve. You're not drunk Christmas Day, by the way, but you've had a couple. We go to Fulham away, which is a West London derby for us, right? First minute, he does the centre-half. Gets sent off. 
literally does the centre half, lays the centre half out, they sub him, which but they can sub him, he's off. We've got 89 minutes with 10 men. And I'm thinking, I'm going to lay him out. And then when I walk in, he's the most lovable bloke on the planet. He's the nastiest person on the pitch, and you want to kill him, whether you're playing with him or against him, because he drives you bonkers. Get, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He just lays him out, and that was him. He was, but I've read his stats, Mark. I loved him as a player. And I and I thought, you know, back on the back post, could link it, could get in behind, yeah. not slow, <clears throat> but not quick. Mm. He got over a goal every two games. He I got he was a nearly prolific he got goal 275 goal. goals in like 580 odd games. He was like he was just over one every two games, which is incredible. I know yeah. it wasn't at the highest echelons. He even got 25 and 60 for Wimbledon in the top league as a bit of a squad player for two years. But at his level, he was a poor man's Mick Hartford, if you like, because he was that strong, that powerful, that nasty, but like Mick, a lovely guy off the pitch and right. knew how to enjoy himself. So perfect teammate, you know what I mean? So yeah. Bliss needs a little mention in me. Tony Cunningham I spoke about was brilliant at Lincoln, went on to have a great career, um, done well for us up there. So there's sort of two, but poor old Brian's just ended up on the uh, Sub. subs bench with Stevie Perriman because um, I'm allowed two subs nowadays. Forget, Don't worry about the seven subs you're allowed nowadays, <laughs> eh? which is ridiculous. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Eh? It You've is. Got a it team is. On the it's bench. mad. It's mad. It is. Absolutely bonkers that you have to carry that squad and, you know, Pay him, do whatever you do. I can't get appearance, Mark. And remember, we not try to get on for a bit of appearance, didn't you? <laughs> put me on for five minutes so I can get the 20 quid. <laughs> two games a week, that's 40. That's brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so me front two. Um, one, you're going to get, because I've just... Get easy. We'll get the one easily. Your best mate, or well, your best buddy when you're hung around with. Well, both of, them, both of them you're going to get, because I love both of them. Um, my best mate and the one I've just mentioned, though, you can imagine them playing together because uh, uh, Walsh and Steeny were a revelation together when yeah. they played together as a duo. We just love rolling it into their feet. And um, I'll give you a little story. When when I played with them two, uh, I had a whole season, which was great. One of me, I had probably two seasons I loved at Luton. They were both playing in midfield because I, I, I played left back quite a bit, about 60 games, but it weren't me really. But I played in midfield for two seasons. My second season, I just kept rolling into them two. And all you had to do, Andrew, as a midfield player, was get it into their feet in and around the box. And it was like job done. Yeah. You know, I mean, you did all the all the water carrying, you did all the graft, you did all the battering around, smashing at people, get it and just get a clever ball into them, either blind ball or around a corner outside the foot. And it just come alive. You know, they'd come alive and you'd go, how did they, you know, you just admire from behind, get a little setback, slide someone in. They were that clever. I then got the, the, the move to um, Coventry. And the first game, I've slid this great reverse pass into Seal Regis. It's come straight back past me Eros. And I've gone, oh, ain't you meant to look after that, see? Ain't you meant to do something with that? And he, the last thing he wanted was a ball into his feet. I had to quickly rearrange my brain. And he was going Benno wide right and Pickering, a lad called Pickering wide left, whizzing crosses in for him. That's what I had to do. Or get it down the side for him. He was not interested in me doing what I'd just done for two years solid, little reverse balls into his feet, in and around the box. No chance. And it was amazing how you quickly had to change your, yeah. your mentality as a midfield player. So Big C was a, was a colossus of a player, lovely man, had his assets, you know, played for England, 
legend. But for me, in the style that I want to play, right. I've got to have people that can have it into feet and can go wide and get it in from the box, uh, wide into the box. So you, you've got both of them. Go on. You, you know both of them. It's easy. Walshy. Yeah. And, and Big Mick. Yeah, Big Mick. That's, yeah. And I would love to them to play together to oh. see what they could do. Uh, but I had them as a front three with Steeny as well, if I bomb one of the boys in midfield. But, you know, because Steeny was special as well. He had that ridiculous trick where he went yeah. to control it and then yeah. just whipped it in one. And, you know, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. But you couldn't <laughs> yeah, but he still... It. Just, yeah. yeah. And Walsh, was the same. He had that little roundabout one. Walsh, he'd go boom, boom. Yeah. You know, when he did the lads at Liverpool, which made him yeah. when he went to Liverpool and they bought him afterwards when he <laughs> yeah. done the two centre-backs, just took the mickey. Do you know what I mean? It was... Uh, it was a pleasure. And then Mick, he, he's a great footballer as well as a, a hard man and a great editor of the ball. He was just a class, class act. So I've been very, very privileged. When you look at that team, I've been very, very privileged and the other lads we've mentioned uh, to have them games with, you know. And don't forget, I don't think I've mentioned a naughty boy in any of them because most of the lads I ever played with, I loved. I thought they were great lads. So there's not, you know, obviously you come across a couple of miles, don't you? Who yeah. are legends in their own lunchbox, but uh, there ain't many. You know, what I mean, they're good lads, Andy, and uh, these lot are top boys. So uh, fantastic! Yeah, not just as not just as teammates with real class quality about them, but uh, yeah, and and all of them love to laugh because you have to have a laugh, don't you? Which yes. is uh, what we was all about, you know. Definitely, we're talking about kind of um, the team dynamic and that type of thing. The final question we have then is: Who is the best manager you've yeah. ever yeah. worked under? So, so that can either be either leading this one or it can be your own opinion who was the best man manager for you. Either way. Yeah, I was I was lucky, really lucky, that in my coaching career as well, Marv, um, in my playing career and my coaching career, you've just said about learning stuff, Marv, you learn stuff every day and you do, and even even now. And and I and I remember I joined Luton as a 14-year-old from school. Uh, we, in them days, you didn't have school. You, you just did 14s to 16s. So nothing before 14 was signed. You signed from 14 to 16s. And then you went on. And I met a guy called uh, Danny Bulgara, who went on to be Stockport manager. And if you get bored, read his book. It's a man from Uruguay. Uh, it come out on Kindle a couple of three years ago. And I never knew, but when he turned up at Luton, he was coaching me at Ashcroft School up in Stopsley in Luton on a Tuesday night, Thursday nights. We just did passing, passing, left foot, right foot. I was in awe of him. He um, was down as a coach driver because he couldn't get a a thing to work in the country. He couldn't get his coaching qualifications, wouldn't be recognised in this country. So Harry Haslam at the time had him on the books as a, a lorry driver, coach driver, lorry driver. And he was coaching me at the time. And I didn't know till I read the book. And wow. I absolutely loved, loved, loved Danny. He was an inspiration. And he used to go, Hey, you're a right little shitty. Hey, you're a little shitty. You talk too much, but you must listen more. You're too little shitty. So you're too bright for your own good. And I loved it. And he told me I was a thinking footballer at 15. He t- wow. And he said some great things, you know, when you're in the middle of midfield, look before you receive. And, you're like that little birdie, that little birdie on the grass. You know, where's the pussy cat? Where's the pussy cat? Where's the pussy cat? <laughs> he said, pussy cats catch you, you're dead. So I loved it. And he was my first inspiration. Pleaty then took over as our coach, our manager. Um, Danny went to Sheffield United with Harry Haslam. 
And uh, and then Pleaty, I was so lucky. Pleaty brought in Ken Guthrie, Trevor Hartley, David Coates, John Moore. All had these incredible... Uh, and I picked bits off all of them. You must have done it, Marv. I picked little mm. bits of what they taught me and I took it with me in my football career. And I'd have to say, Pleaty was the first... David was the first person to do pattern of play. And it was a revelation to do this four, three and a half, two and a half in a pattern of play, working towards goal, unopposed. It was bonkers. You, you'd, you'd get the ball and it'd be thrown out. And, you know, and I've done stuff similar, but I've done it on rotate. I've, I've progressed all the stuff. I've done it on rotation that you're coming through in fives and, you, you, you know, all this um, rotation of players and movement. And you can set it up in starting positions, but they know where they are. And what it is, it's like jigsaw coaching, that you've got this big jigsaw and all your philosophies in it, and I'm sure David had it in his jigsaw, and you take a bit out, work on it, put it back in, and you never change. That's your philosophy. Obviously, you tinker with things, but you, that's your philosophy. That's how you want your fullbacks to play, this and that. And completely, David had that vision in his first time at Luton. He was phenomenal. His second time, I think he'd be the first to admit he had his eye off the ball. He wasn't the same person after his disappointments with, with Tottenham, et cetera, et cetera, and he come back. The first time, though, in what I think Phil Duffy's writing that book about now, Marvin. Yeah. The lad that's writing a book, Oxford um, City, he's interviewing us all, early. Mm. That era that he's talking about was incredible. He was, and he weren't kind to me at all, because I was a youngster coming through and he trod on me. You know, he, he, he weren't too worried about me. He was worried about his superstars in, who were going to pay his mortgage. I weren't going to, you know, I'd be left to pay for his coal bunker. But... Uh, the big superstars were going to pay for his mortgage and they were his, his ticket out of there, which proved the case because the big hitters that are in this team or would have been in my best Luton team was his players. He signed them all. And um, I think what he did, he told me that he had three years of reserve code and went to games because he loved, he's a Barry Fry. He's like I was in my early years. My, I say early years, probably 12 years, 15 years. He went to games five times a week, different games. And he had a dossier of the players he loved. Offered them to Harry Haslam. Didn't really want him at the time. As soon as he became manager, he had Mal, uh, uh, Peaky. He had, he had a whole dossier. Mossy, Basher, Brian Steen, Ricky Hill. He had this dossier of players that he'd seen. And not just one was superb. There was nine superb. So forget his management. His actual scouting had happened three years before over that period where he'd done the mileage. And you can't, mm. in them days, there was no stats, no internet. You had to go and see, you know, I've got a pile of team sheets in my loft. Probably bigger, massive, it's farcical. You know, you just put little notes on every team sheet. And that's how you did it. And that's what he did. And so then had um, Don McKay and John Sillett and George Curtis, who weren't the best, I've got to be honest. Um, Frank McClintock was decent. Steve P was decent. Barry Fry was loony, but a fantastic manager. Uh, Barnett could tell you so many we could have another two hours of stories um, but I'd have to say David Pleat was the best because he was ahead of his time Colin Murphy was special at Lincoln you know he was he had a way about him uh, Lenny Lawrence Marv was his assistant that's how I met Lenny really so when I become assistant manager to Lenny it was because I knew him at uh, Lincoln it was out of him and Walker at Norwich that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mike Walker. And Lenny was on. He told, he told us the story. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he do not tell you the other story where I met him down in the town. And uh, he said to me, if you go back up and see Cola, 
and tell him that um, I'm the manager, you'll be my assistant. I went, I'll be up there in a minute. So and that's what happened. I went and saw David Carter and said, Lenny's your man. And uh, obviously, I think he was going that route anyway. But um, yeah. that's how I become assistant manager because uh, he knew me, trusted me, and we had a good three years. But uh, yeah, so, uh, but I'd have to say to you both, all the managers that I've ever met have been ruthless, ruthless. So in what in, in what to, way in what in what way Wayne do you mean, do you to, mean to me they've been they've been oh, ruthless to, oh, to me to, you. to, oh. to me they've been ruthless to me David Barry Fry Lenny Lawrence you know that one um, Stevie Perriman ruthless ruthless because that's football and and I get fed up listening to people bleating on about um, you know they've been sacked they've been this I got the, I got number two at Lenny because I bumped him down in Berry Park and I helped him he helped me. But you get it by default, you lose it by default. But every way I left them managers, who I really respect and love, all of them done me. All of them done me. <laughs> yep. That's, well, you've mentioned, the, you mentioned the commentary thing, chucking you out after six months before. You mentioned Perryman, happy to get yeah, rid of Yeah, uh, well, David, David Pleat um, told me that uh, I'd been, uh, we went for my new contract when I was a player. At, um, I've been there eight years. We sat down in the um, Chilton Hotel just for one of the last games of the season. I was in the team, flying, best I've ever done. Two years, centre midfield, just signed Peter Nicholas, just signed Nico uh, on a full tune. I wanted a little pay rise. Uh, can't do that, Wayne. And more so, Wayne, if you have another two years, it'd be a testimonial. And if you think about it, you've only played in the first team six out of 10 years. So that's not fair. I went up. So that was me. He said, so the best thing you can do, Wayne, is go. And that was it. That was it. So... I went to Coventry, got the money I was looking for, got me signing on I was looking for, but didn't want to be there. Drove home from Coventry crying. 25 years old, coming back from Coventry, what have I done? Loads more money, better deal, better place. But And then I become a mercenary then, Marv. That was the day I fell out of love with football as a player. But I did. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then, as, a, as, as, a, and then as a player, yeah, George Curtis, Stevie P, Stevie Perriman took over from Frank McClintock. Now I was the highest paid player at Brentford, right? Yep. Had a few injuries from the back coming to the 29. Had a, and eventually had a prolapse disc, but they didn't know that at the time, right? So I was, I was having problems um, with my back. Some games had an injection and, and the lads tied my boots up because I couldn't bend over. It was farcical. But uh, he came up to me the Thursday before we kicked off on the Saturday. I'm captain, done all pre-season. And I remember him looking back and remember saying, you all right, Wayne? Is your back all right? I went, yeah, I'm fine. You sure? Yeah, I'm fine. Come up to me. I didn't know. They'd been trying to sell me for the eight weeks of end of season. Been trying to sell me. Fell through. He gave me a week's wages on a Thursday. Said, you're finished. I went, what? Said, you're finished. See you later. Chairman don't want you. You're too highly paid and we couldn't sell you. I went, what? And that's all I had, a week's wages. Went home. What, what did you know? Yeah, no contract though. What, is, what about your contract? No, I, mean, I was out of contract. Oh, they kept stalling. They kept, I'd had my two-year contract. Kept stalling right. my contract. Kept stalling the contract, and you got up to July the 1st. Well, in right. them days, they were trying to sell me up to July the 1st. Right. Right? Because there weren't no Bosman. They were trying to sell me up to July the 1st. Come to July the 4th, or August the 4th, or whatever it was, you know. Oh, no, sorry. They're trying, yeah, come see ya. Gone. And that was a Thursday. Had nowhere to go, because everybody got their team settled for Thursday for the Saturday. So then I ended up, I had a choice between Port Vale, John Rudge at Port Vale, on the Friday, or Barry Fry Barnett. I went, I thought I'll start my business up, which I've never looked back, but I'll start my business up in the barn. And then uh, coaching, coached after that, you know, so it was a weird one, but the coaching was awful. 
the way you get carved up when you're assistant manager, manager. Oh. But I mean, but, to be fair, I, I, enjoy, Rain, I enjoyed, I enjoyed your coaching when you said I enjoyed it. I mean, you, 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 and you've had, you've made some big impacts on a lot of players' career. I mean, yes. we had Jonesy, Jonesy on Nathan Jones. He spoke about obviously when you used to take that group of the reserves and all that, and the, the, yeah. the detail of the coaching. He enjoyed it. So you know, you yes. had an, an effect on a, a lot of players. So I mean, even though you're saying it's. Well, you've been carved up and that you've affected. Oh, Marv, 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 I wouldn't change it for the world. No, when no, when I say I've been carved up, I got what everybody gets. Mm. If there's if 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 there's a problem and it could be shifted to somebody else, you get you get you're the one that gets shifted. So you're the one I didn't regret any of it. I loved it. I loved you lot, I love my players, I love my jobs. I've never ever in all my life applied for a job. So I must have done something right. Yeah. So I've been offered coaching jobs all my career. I've just been offered one today, right? I have. It's amazing. I've been offered one today. And I've said no, because I'm retired. But it's amazing that I'm still being offered jobs and I still love going to see games. Nathan's invite me down and when I come back, I'm going away for a few weeks down to the ground because I get really on well with Nathan, Mick, obviously. So I love it. And I love being respected. I love talking football. I love seeing... I wouldn't change anything. I love you. I love Thorpey. And that's what I'm saying to you. Pleaty, Stevie Perriman, uh, Barry Fry, Lenny, all done me, but I totally still care for them. Yeah. Because they done me because it was either me or them. Right. And number one, you've got to look after number one, you know, yeah. and that's what they True. did. So you don't worry about it. It's like, it's no. football. It's amazing. And what it does me is when people do moan about it, yeah. you go, well, what do you expect? Yeah, it's right. football. Yes. It's football. Exactly. You get the job, you probably didn't deserve the job, and you didn't deserve to get sacked. So stop moaning. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that, that takes us on to our last question. I mean, I mean, I think everyone knows that they know you love it. What, what are you doing now? Obviously, I think that's one of the reasons, like you said, you've, 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 you've turned down the coaching job today. Obviously, one, you've retired, and two, you don't really need it because you've got about 255,000 houses you've built. So, um, more than that, Malf. <laughs> But yeah, for those who don't know, Wayne, who's listening to this podcast, who are not Luton fans and don't know of you, what I mean, what are you doing now, regards in um, in your life, meaning wise? Right. Well, um, I've, I've had a really busy, busy time. If I tell you when I went back to do Luton in 2012 to 15, I was running the youth setup uh, overall, and it was a real hard time because none of we had 103 youth players, Andrew, that weren't protected because of the team was out of the Football League, the contracts weren't really real. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah right well, to... didn't you have all those people like the De Silva brothers and things like that that were effectively poached? And Well, they were they were just before me and they got sold. Yep. And we did all right with them. But we had a couple that um, crept out the door that, that threatened legal action. But apart from that, we had a great nucleus where I would talk to everybody I knew in football and say, come on, if you're going to nick them, Pay, pay the asking right and we got everything but that was such a hard time because I was in the middle of a my, my company my business building and renovating houses and I was doing like 14 15 hours a day just to I was getting up with my, my thing was I'd do Tuesdays all day at Luton and then three nights a week and a Saturday or a Sunday so then the rest of the time I was building houses and renovating houses and running around doing all these different stuff so Tuesday morning, I'd get up at half past four and get all my emails ready so that when I got the staff in at seven o'clock, 
right? The Luton Town staff, Marv, all the coaching staff, in at seven to half past seven, we'd start bang on half seven. They're like, oh. right, okay, <laughs> wakey, wakey, rise and shine. And we get it all done and it was efficient and it worked. So I loved it. And then I thought, right, I've got four big houses to build in 2015. The one of them I live in now. But that was my last, if you like, master plan. I had to get these four houses built, which I've done and finished last year, um, which has enabled me to do what I want going forward now. And um, we've got a, another house in the Cotswolds, which we love. So we go down there when we can. That's where we're going next week. So I spend time between here and the Cotswolds. And we've got a little granddaughter now, Rosie, named after me, Mum, Marv, uh, which is lovely. Oh, lovely. Spend a lot of time with her and play some golf. Nikki, my wife, who's great, loves golf. So she's out twice a week playing golf with her mates or lecturer. She's a member, also a member down at Cotswolds. So I try and fill all my football in what I want to do now because it's been so hard the last 15, 16 months where you couldn't go anywhere for all of us. Yeah. I've now got my sights set on going to see people that I know in the game that have invited me down to watch their training, tie up with them, Nathan obviously being included and Mick. And I'm going to spend my time getting back in love with my football. Yeah. But the good thing is they're not paying my mortgage. They're not paying right. my, my petrol. They're not paying my ticket. They're not doing anything. I can just go because I want to go. Leave. Yeah. And I can step in and step out when I want to. And, uh, you know, it's lovely. I've got some good mates at good clubs that I can just pop in now and have a little look. So I'm going to really enjoy 20 years, I'm thinking, Marv. I'm get to 80, right? That'll be really handy to get to 80, as long as my legs are moving and my brain's working. If we come on here in five years' time and I repeat everything I've just said, just switch me off, all right? <laughs> so, so hopefully my brain stays in order and my body just about moves. And then I'm just going to enjoy me 20 years, 20, you know, 20 plus, hopefully. But I can see myself, you know, going to see the lads, spending time, doing stuff. I've got a coffee with Pleaty in a couple of weeks again. I said to David, I'll go down and see him again down in Radlett and just really catch up with everybody, you know, which is really Excellent. nice. And Lovely. I've got my family, which are great. My son, Bradley's a, a bricklayer now, so I'm pricing a job for him tonight. So I'm still doing a bit of that. Still got me eye on the construction side, but it's all free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I can't build houses in America or Australia, right? So <laughs> stay there. That's it. It'd be too far. Lovely. Well, it was fantastic to hear from you. And thanks very much so much for your time. Um, I know all the fans of all the clubs um, will be absolutely loving listening to all those stories and just hearing your wisdom. So thank you so much for your, for your time. And that was Wayne Turner's yes, best thank you, Wayne. 11. Yes, thank you, Wayne.